0: You got it. So with the mental game, when I talk about what the mental game is to people, they give me different answers. I then at the end of a coaching session or at the start of one, I say, you know, to me, the mental game is to be mentally focused, emotionally confident and physically relaxed to execute a golf shot. So if we're focused, confident, relaxed, we have a much better opportunity to execute what we want. Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success.
1: And here is Martin Grunberg. All right, fantastic. I am thrilled you're tuning in for this interview with Rick Sessinghouse. He is a peak performance coach, a former pro golfer. He trains within the corporate arena, and he uh, works with aspiring pro golfers. He's a fantastic character guy. He's known as golf's mental coach. He's been named a top coach in Southern California. He's a former editor of Golf Tips Magazine. He's written an incredible book called Golf. The Ultimate Mind Game, and really it's a great, easy read. The incredible thing is all the tips translate, of course, whether you're on the golf course or not, and certainly when you get into the performance arena and the mentality behind peak performance. He has spent thousands of hours digesting and analyzing What it takes to perform not just under pressure, but your best when it matters most. So I'm not going to belabor the setup any longer. I'm thrilled you're joining us and let's meet Rick. All righty. Habits to Goals listeners, thank you so much for joining me. Today I have A real treat, Rick Sessinghouse, a peak performance coach, consultant, a former pro golfer, and I might add, since it occurs to me, a Habit Factor certified coach. Uh, Rick, it is terrific to have you on the show. How are you doing today? i'm doing wonderful thanks so much for having me on it's great to have you on um i think you know how we kick off the show with the gtr the good things report yes would you like I'm, to go first or shall i
0: i'll go you Wait. know i love focus i love focusing on what the good stuff's been happening and it keeps me uh keeps me motivated keeps me in a good mood and uh you know this past week was fantastic on both a personal and professional level. Uh, it was spring break for my kids. I have three children, ages 16, 12 and 9, and having them home and and doing some fun stuff, everything from from golf to going to see Batman versus Superman to <laughs> going to the beach for a, a birthday party for some friends. I mean, it was just one of those weeks you go, "Oh, it's a great week to connect with uh, with the family and everybody's in a great mood and it was just, it was just a great week. And then professionally I, I started a new gig working for a uh, uh, consulting for a, a bank where I did uh, started some leadership and performance training. That's going to be about a four month uh, process with them. So that was fantastic. A great group of people and about a six, a six hour training I gave uh, last Monday. So it's, it was a great week. Incredible. And I, I feel like you, you might've
1: read my, my GTR because <laughs> It's exactly the same thing, man. I did not realize my kids. <laughs> and unlike you with three, I have just two, but, uh, I didn't realize they were going to have two weeks off. Oh. And, uh, anyways, it's been just great family time. And now I think we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here as Thursday and Friday approaches. We're going to head out to Palm Springs and who knows, maybe. Maybe daddy will get to play some golf. So, yeah, that's Sounds my GTR. Good. Great. Um, so you, first of all, and what I didn't even say in the open, former editor of its Golf Tips magazine, correct? That is correct. And yes. one of my favorite books, for those of you who enjoy golf, it's, I believe it's just called Golf, the Ultimate Mind Game. Check it out on Amazon. It's a fantastic book. It's real easy to read, but I, I'm sure you can tell as you listen to Rick, he's he's extremely knowledgeable around the mental game of golf. Again, he has some former pro experience, so before we get into that, Rick, I, I kind of want to back up to where this began. I don't know if you have to go back to high school. Uh, what part
0: of the world did you go to high school? Let's start there. Beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Oh, so Burbank. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, born and raised in Burbank and grew up in a very sports-minded uh, household. My dad was a football coach. I was going to be groomed to play football. Uh, went a little sideways when I was a freshman in high school, got hurt, oh. uh, took up golf and just loved golf, just uh, just the, the challenge of it. And it was one of the few sports that did not come easy to me. So uh, that just inherently just drove me to want to try to perfect something, which of course you can't perfect golf. And so, uh, <laughs> sure so that love and that passion just kept going in, in, into college. And, you know, I, my goal was to play college athletics, and I was fortunate enough to to walk on at Cal State Northridge uh, here in Southern California. But I did not make it the first time I tried out for the team and wow. learned a lot about the mental side of the game. I tell the story all the time that really the difference between me not making it that first year and then making it the following year as a walk-on was the mental game. had nothing to do with the physical game, and that's really what sparked my interest in performance is why could I – not perform when it mattered most, uh, under the pressure. And yet when I did put some mental and emotional skills to the test and trained them that I was able to perform at a high level afterwards. And that's just, I just love that part of it. And that's where later on, you know, with my education and, and such is, uh, I was just intrigued by my behavior, cer- certainly my behavior first under pressure, but then as I worked with clients, how they were behaving and, and, uh, and we know that our behaviors and our habits lead to our results, and I, that's what I was just fascinated me about how people behave, especially under pressure.
1: That there's so much good in this answer, I could go nuts and spend three days. So, and I was scribbling <laughs> some notes. So, I just want to go back to high school. Did you you started playing golf as a freshman? Did you end up playing? I, I any, was any golf in high school.
0: I was introduced to the game when I was 13. okay uh, I did not I did not play any competitive golf until uh, I was a freshman in high school so I got hurt in got football it. took okay. up golf got it. became you know on the high school team but didn't play any junior tournaments or anything like that. well unfortunately we lost
1: Rick uh, and then we <laughs> we pick it back up as he heads to college Skype Skype let us down there but we were making a smooth transition we'll just pick it back up so okay so out of high school you end up going to cal state northridge and you attempt to walk on and you say you basically are denied it doesn't happen for you talk us through that mental experience
0: sure yeah that coach at the time allowed a one walk on a year and so we had an open. An open walk-on. There was, I think, 15 people trying out for one spot. Got it. Uh, Very long story short, we had four rounds of golf. Up until the last hole of the qualifier, I was tied for that last spot. Wow. And as I tell the story a lot is it came down to the last shot going into a par five that had water on the right-hand side, and um, I dumped it in the water. Mm. And so for 71 holes, I played at an extremely high level, did not hit that poor of a golf shot until – when I needed it most, where I started focusing on what I didn't want, which was the water. And I started focusing too much on the future and my physical body changed. I got, I got literally nervous. Yes, I got anxious, but I also, um, became, you know, just doubting and, 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 and just think again, what I didn't want to happen. And so that became kind of a microcosm of what was going on and saying, wait a second, I train on the right range. I do all these other things. However, when I needed it most, it wasn't there, and that's why I was intrigued by why was that shot different? Yeah, and
1: as you dissect that experience,
0: you know, certainly now, and I'm sure you've
1: recounted it hundreds of times in in your speaking engagements. It's it's obvious, <laughs> and now you're you're reflecting upon it with the wisdom and perspective to identify all those you know kind of breakdown points if you will like right. where your attention goes from the present to the future where your where your physiology changes where your mindset where you're looking you know the focus correct so at the time and i know this is probably impossible to answer other than feeling
0: nervous were was there any other awareness uh The Well, the awareness was the loss of focus to what I wanted and always thinking about what I didn't want, which is just don't go in the water. Just don't go in the water. Just don't go in the water. And that self-talk created a different picture now, and I responded to that picture. Okay.
1: Okay. And I'm just wondering if that's still not you looking back and reflecting upon the situation versus you in the moment. Like what were you thinking at that point? And maybe it was just that. It was don't go in the water, don't go in the water, don't go in the water.
0: Right, and when I tell the, when I tell it to uh, corporate audiences and stuff like that, it goes back to even the decision in the first place is that it's a par five I was going for in two. I had a decision I could have <laughs> laid up. I could have laid up and, and had no problems because I would have played safe and then gone on. And I talk about when we make decisions is that I was in a very – Highly intense emotional state, which tends to shut off the rational thinking. Now, I'm not saying I made a bad decision. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that it just it changed that decision loop completely. And I didn't even take in that option. And then it became so much about what I didn't want um, because it mattered so much. And I was putting so much emphasis. This was the last shot. And this was the last hole that it exaggerated uh, all of the emotions that went along with it, which now resulted into for me, what was called a hold-on effect, which I didn't allow the club to go all the way through. I, I steered it, mm-hmm. and that made the ball go block to the right mm. um, and then go into the water. So there was a what-I-don't-want focus, which then resulted into physio- physiological change, which was tension, which is hold-on and steer. Got it. And again, yeah, there's, there's terrific – so as the
1: expert in golf – just throwing this out there. We're going to deviate just a little. As it relates to golf, the game of golf, how much of it as a coach and a former pro, how much of the outcome is weighed by decision and choice? I obviously, there's no scientific formula for this. I just want your uh, opinion.
0: Well, I I, I can answer that a couple different ways of how we define decision and choice. Decision and choice could be our what we call course management, knowing thyself and what my strengths are, knowing what my weaknesses are, knowing what my patterns are, knowing what my habits are, is that helps me define what's the best decision. Now, that's one way, which is a very analytical way of going about it, which I do train. The other one, which is this other layer, which is called commitment now to that decision. I'm committed, full, to go at it, okay? That has to do with confidence. That has to do with um, sometimes being disassociated from the result and just trusting your process behind that. So so I answer that two different ways. There's the analytical side, which is knowing your game, knowing the patterns that have developed – and then there is – once I've made a decision, I am going 100% and I'm going to commit to that. And that's a different skill set, uh, which has to do with experience and trust and letting go, that is probably a little more challenging to teach. The first part is pretty analytical. The, the little white ball doesn't move. The target doesn't move. So your variables are pretty much fixed, and you can teach somebody some good decision-making. But that last part of fully trusting and committing to that decision – opens up another (laughs) can of worms with people so so let's check up
1: right there so
0: there i'm almost certain there
1: are listeners who do not golf and that is okay because a couple of the big takeaways here and the first is that golf is a wonderful parallel (laughs) for life in fact yes you know that's kind of the title of your game it's it's golf the ultimate mind game well life could be the ultimate mind game right and, of course. and yeah it's just a wonderful parallel the other thing is this and it seems like every guest on including myself when they have that it's almost a pivotal pivotal moment of incredible challenge that creates this new direction. So for you, this could have been a, this could have sent you spiraling in a totally different direction. And I think we know those people tragically who will never forget that day and they probably drink a lot, you know, maybe too much beer and, and they, they get lost in that story. Correct. You changed the story and it not only led to a book, but a career. And now you're sharing these, uh, principles and ideas with, with people. And again, how they transcend golf and are applied to life. So, I mean, I just, every, every time you break down something about golf, I'm I'm hoping the listener sees these direct parallels with life. So, I'm just gonna say one quick thing with the know thyself, that's that's a perfect <laughs> a perfect answer as it relates to how you make decisions. What is your strength, what is your weakness, what what should you do, what shouldn't you do? And again, it translates perfectly to golf. So but if you were to look at a person's score, if if somebody shoots a a hundred how many? Right. Well, that's not probably, I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase it. What I, I've often said as I'm make a bad decision on the golf course is, is something like, you know, 90% of this game is, is about your decision making. And I know it's not that high. So that's kind of where I was going. I wanted to hear what you have to say.
0: Well, I may answer slightly different. So when I did my master's thesis, it was about, um, mental game training for beginner golfers, which uh-huh. was, wasn't utilized as all well because beginner golfers are all taught about physical skills first. So they have some level of competence before we can get into the mental side. And I was arguing, wait a second, we have to introduce mental game skills from day one. We have to introduce Genius. having a target and visualizing it and those type of things. However, as our physical skills, um, increase and they improve the mental game becomes even more important and it's an interesting thing as your skill set improves sometimes our ego gets in the way and sometimes that can actually cloud our decision making and we have other elements that come into play of competition and wanting to uh, impress other people and there becomes this other you know as you peel back the onion that decision making is we look at it as analytical but Really, when you look at it, and I ask people why they made that decision, sometimes there was other interferences that went along with it, or mm-hmm. they were, again, trying to impress somebody else, and that got them out of knowing what was best for that moment, which is whether it's a understanding your cause and effect, but certainly looking at, hey, if I go to plan A, I will probably succeed 80% of the time, but plan B, that's enticing, that risk, but I'm only going to do it 20% of the time, but that could add another two strokes to my round. So that's – if you're emotional, that's very difficult for people to make that type of decision-making process. So there is certainly know your game, but now are you in the correct emotional state to make that decision also? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, excellent question. And, and that's and that, that's with the business side is that I yep. teach a lot of these executives where if they're frustrated or if they're overwhelmed or they're, they're not going to make as – Sharp a decision, and they're not, their problem solving is, ability is not going to be the same. The cognitive function is not going to be the same if they're frustrated and overwhelmed on uh, on their job. If I can get them back to neutral so they can think a little clearly, then we can start talking about decision making but I can't jump to decision making if they're in the correct emotional state. so now we start talking about how do you do that and, and certain things. But same thing with the sales presentation or same thing in an interview process, you need to be in the correct performance state to be thinking at your best. And to perform at your best. And, and
1: that's where I was just going to go. If, if you couldn't or wouldn't mind sharing a couple tips on that. If, so whether it's I'm on the golf course and I'm emotionally unstable, not me, of course, a player. No, and, no. Or, or <laughs> you, something went sideways at the office and then you got to go present to a client. Um, are there a couple, tips or tools that you can share that might help sure help one regain that emotional equilibrium. Correct. Well,
0: uh, most people we have to, Think about what triggers an uh, emotional response in the first place. And a lot has to do with results or expectations of what, how something should have occurred. And once we put those expectations out there, that sales call should have been a close. I should have got that person to sign. They didn't. I am mad. I can't believe they asked me this question. And they have that story now that kicks in and now they're frustrated. They're down on themselves and yet they have another sales call. In 10 minutes right and so we talk about rebooting the system now in golf we have routines and these routines are a form of behaviors that are habits right yeah yep. that helps us of habits you got it so now we're doing breathing we're doing visualization we're doing practice swings we're getting into the shot in the same way so our mind and our body are now in sync uh. to give us a best opportunity I didn't say it's always perfect, but our best opportunity to perform at a high level. In the business setting, I have a poor result, I get frustrated, I get angry. Well, first, I got to call kind of like a mini timeout like they do in sports and just say, okay, right. I need a two-minute, I got to reboot the system, let's do some some breathing, control that, control my physiology. Think about what I learned from that. Maybe I learned that I wasn't prepared for that sales call. Maybe they asked me a question I wasn't ready for and, and not just put it on them, it's like, okay, I can learn from that. That's been my biggest thing. I had a big hot temper when I played a lot of golf is that I didn't learn <laughs> from, right. and learn from my failures. And I know failures is, you know, you're not supposed to use that word, but I do, I didn't do what I wanted to. So it wasn't the result I wanted. If I didn't learn from it, of course it would keep cycling and keep going. Right. But if I could look back and say, Hey, why did that occur? Can I learn from it? That helped me. Ask better questions helped me now get better answers. So that was one thing. As I utilized questions, breathing was to help regain my physiology, right. and then asking good questions of what I want now in my next block of performance. So in this case, with a sales call, I have another sales call. Okay, who is it? What are some of their needs? Let me get their contract out. Let me start thinking about how I can focus on them. And what's my intention? So I'm visualizing, hey, I want them to sign on the dotted line. And now I'm thinking of present, a little bit future certainly, but the present state I need to be in for this new client instead of rehashing what I just did. Right. Same thing with golf. I hit a bad shot and I keep beating myself up. It's hard for me to to reboot the system for the next shot because I'm still beating myself up. So those parallels happen all the time from golf to the business world. That's fantastic. And And trying to
1: remember the... The coach that mentioned pointed out that the best wide receivers are the ones, you know, in football who have the shortest memory. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're just able to immediately forget the drop ball Correct. so it doesn't impact the next play. Correct. Um and I love what you were saying about letting go of expectations going into a performance. Um I can think of numerous times where if the attention and focus is on the outcome, you, me, one, is entirely lost um, with the present moment. And it can be totally debilitating to the performance. So releasing the expectations. And then the final comment real quick is, when I think routine now, the, the one thing that comes up in my head is the basketball player and the free throw, because there can be, you know, 8 million screaming fans and there can be whatever puppets in the background and balloons and horns. And the guy just, whatever it is, spins the ball, bounces it three times, you know, each one of them has their own routine, but, when I listen to you break that down, it's exactly that, isn't it? It's it's putting them in this almost mindless state where everything becomes automatic, and so they bounce the ball two or three times, and everything just turns into automatic, and then they make their free throw, um, taking their mind, exactly taking right. their mind entirely out of the performance, or mostly exactly.
0: Out of. Yeah right. So we're trying to take somebody from their left side of their brain, their analytical side, and putting them in the right side of the brain, which is subconsciously the automatic, exactly what you're explaining. Oh. So there's an interesting thing with basketball, because I do use that analogy all the time. Oh great. is S- Steph Curry, he goes out there and he can shoot from basically anywhere, right? And he has people guarding him. He's off balance, and Dude, all I cannot
1: stop talking about that
0: guy. <laughs> unbelievable, right? Yeah, unbelievable. So you have somebody—he's guarded. He's off. He's off balance, and all he cares about is the hoop. That's his target, yeah. right? Now, it's interesting in basketball, there have been players who have shot better from the field when people are guarding them than they have from the free throw line. So we at the free throw line, they may have a physical routine that you're looking at. They bounce it twice, twirl it in their hands, look at the thing. But you don't know what with them mentally because nobody's guarding them. It's the first time in their basketball it's non-reactionary. Before, they have to react to all the thing that's happening. Guess what? It shuts off on a local mind. They just react, and guess what? They hit these unbelievable shots. Yep. On the free throw line, nobody's guarding them. They're in complete control. It's like golf, and now they overthink. And that disaster of you should you – know, you would think they would make 80% of their free throws all the time, but they don't. Far below that. Right. So that's where the thing now interferes with their physical
1: body. It's incredible it really is and and going back to Steph i i think right now he's at 45% 3 three-pointers for the season and he mm-hmm. you know i'm sure you know this he he shattered his own record of like 278 three-pointers uh about a month nice. ago and there's still i don't know a few more weeks in the season so he's he's on pace for like 400 or something Which is mind-boggling, and and I guess the reason I'm bringing it up is, have you seen that video? Um, It talks about him going to like Kobe Bryant's shooting camp or or basketball camp in high school, and this guy is just narrating over it, and he's talking about how he knew Steph was going to be an all-star because... 20 minutes before any other kid was lacing up his shoes, he was already in a full sweat and had been through a workout. <laughs> and after, he ends it saying that after every practice or workout, he would not leave till he swished five free throws in a row. Not not made them, swished them. And exactly. so in my mind, and, and the whole point of that video, Rick, is – is I think it's called Success is a choice, but but then he, he talks about are your habits aligned with your dreams of tomorrow, which my right. joke is, you know, are your habits aligned with your goals? It's it's uber fascinating that he he's he's just, you know, he's six three, he's worked so hard. He has no business dominating the league on paper, but he has habituated himself far beyond what anyone else has done right i mean that's exactly i I mean from the outside looking in you're you're the expert but to me that's just unbelievable
0: well and you talk about you obviously talk about habits a lot and he has a habit of what he does for warmups, right? I mean, you've seen these wild things he does and he has does dribbling and then he shoots from the corner and he shoots from half court and he he's doing all these things. I think for a couple of things, one hard worker, that's a given, but also being creative and being uh, allowing him to just be more in the flow and challenging himself is part of his pre game routine, his pre game habits, which already puts him in the mindset as he gets ready for tip off. Got it. And I've even heard people show up early yes. just to watch him, <laughs> just to watch him
1: warm up. And exactly. I, I, I believe it. So, I mean, that's just, these are things I didn't understand. Uh, and that's just professionalism at an entirely different level. And, and what you and I call hard work, and there's no doubt it's hard work, but he has habituated himself to a point where I don't think he knows anything else. I, I would almost guess, I mean, he would probably say it's hard work, but I think hard work gets easier when you do it all the time.
0: <laughs> so, and, and he loves, it. I mean, that's the part of where I've had people who have hard work, but they look, um, got it, look yeah. like they're frustrated during the hard work. And it's right. like, wait a second. Then it's, you know, we know that we do things well when we enjoy it, you know, and so if I have a great attitude about it, it it will actually be easier to do. So it's to him, it's just an art form, right? It's just his art. And, uh, I don't think he looks at his hard work. He just says, this is what I love to do. Absolutely. Today's episode is brought to you by
1: audible.com. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. If there's one thing I know, and I think Jim Rohn was the one who said this originally, in five years, the difference in your life will be largely based upon two things, the books you've read and the relationships you have fostered. Doesn't it make sense to take advantage of the downtime, whether you're on the road, on a run, in the gym, Kill a couple birds with one stone. Get a book going. It's phenomenal. It's I. The more people I turn onto it, the more uh, compliments I get. Not that I've actually done anything. Hundred and eighty thousand titles to choose from. You get one free book a month. Thirty percent off any other book. Again, check it out. Audibletrial.com forward slash habits. To goals. I'm going to say that again real quick. Audibletrial.com forward slash habits to goals. And that is the number two. So let's bring it back to you. Although I could, I, we could, we could probably do a whole episode on, on Steph Curry and what's going on there. <laughs> um, so you take these lessons and you turn it into something incredibly positive, something that wasn't on the surface necessarily positive. And You end up walking on at uh, Northridge, right? Correct. And then how did that, how did that
0: go? You played a couple years, two or three years there? I played, uh, yeah, I played three years there, uh, you know, and earned a scholarship, uh, for that time also. So not only I made the team, I made the travel team. I, I did some, I did well in a, a first few tournaments Incredible. and was fortunate enough to, to be offered the scholarship for the last three years. And, you know, very thankful for the coach to give me that opportunity. And through that, I, I didn't always play well. And at the end when I was graduating and then saying, what do I want to do? You know, you know, professional golf was, <laughs> Hey, that's what I want to do. And, and looking back at it, you know, back to the work ethic, I, I looked at it more of a have to than a want to. Got it. And that was that was a big shift for me, is that oh, I have to practice instead of in college. I want to practice. And I saw that my performance actually deteriorated mm. with more time put at the put at the skill, which is of course doesn't make sense, but it, it was an attitude thing. Um, and I was still working on some emotional stuff of having a hot temper after bad shots and not right. dealing with with uh, you know, the rounds or the tournaments and now when it's a profession and you don't get paid unless you play well, there's a little bit even more put on outcome and I did not have enough uh, process goals and enough um, – I didn't have enough uh, skill sets at Got that it. point.
1: Well, and it's funny you say that may not make sense. Um, that is putting in more time to develop a skill and the skill deteriorating, but it's interesting – because, you know, Covey talks about the three kind of requirements to develop a habit, and it's knowledge, skill, and desire. And mm. and so the desire component, it does make sense to me. If that was waning, then that could very easily explain the uh, deterioration. Yes. So at, you're out of school now, and you're – you're playing in a few like pro events, or yeah, you play you go? play
0: mini tour events here, in Southern California, and, you, and uh, I was uh, about a couple weeks away from going to PGA Tour qualifying school. Um, very long story short, uh, a sponsor that I was going to have because it was it's quite expensive fell yep. through at the last moment, and to be honest with you, I wasn't prepared for that. There, I wouldn't have gotten through yet that was what the goal was. And now that's taken away right. in that short term. And I then had to kind of look at myself in the mirror and say, Hey, are, am I going to be a hundred percent in on this or what other things are out there? And, and I love coaching and I love helping people. And it just was a natural thing to go into the golf business and teach golf, uh, the physical game first. And then it led to five, six, seven years down the road where I just said, no. Nope, you know i love the mental game so much i'm going to learn more about that that's when i went back to school that's where i became more that the niche coach in my area uh, an expertise of golf's mental coaches is is kind of where that started and uh, golfers Liked working with me because one, I was still a player; I could play at a high level. I understood the golf swing and the physical components, but I could talk their language. I could say, "Hey, man, I've <laughs> I've broken many a club. Uh, I've uh, <laughs> right. I've slammed my my damn uh, <laughs> you know
1: uh, right yeah. your lob wedge
0: <laughs> right." I mean, and, and I know those frustrations, and so people knew that I knew what they were going through. And now, though, I had that report, I can now tell them, "Hey." here's some options now. And I found I had a pretty good success rate with golfers because, uh, because of that. And it wasn't all about education, stuff like that is that uh, I had good rapport with them. Um, I just didn't say, Hey, think positive and everything's going to be great, you know, And, and they understood that. So they understood it had to be trained though. And that's again, why, you know, I loved your book with habit factor and stuff like that is that I always knew training something, of course, required repetition. But if we could break it down even more so to understand why are we doing this certain activity right. and what is that leading to was very powerful that I took from from your first book. And what I've applied definitely in my coaching is we can certainly have outcome goals and I want to do blank, but we have to reverse engineer that. So we understand what, what can I do on a daily basis, and actually sometimes an hourly, minute by minute basis, <laughs> and that and that's very powerful um, for my students when I can give them the what they need to do. In mental game coaching, it was it was too broad. You know, think positive, take some deep breaths, visualize success, everything will be fine. But there's there's more deeper skills that need to be switched. I mean, we have mindsets, we have thought pro- uh, patterns that go on that we need to interrupt and we need to change, and that that's not one repetition. And I think people understood it took them as hard to, to learn a new golf swing. It would require that amount of repetitions for the mental game too. Yeah. And those
1: two work entirely hand in hand. So there's Correct. the mental game and then there's the habit, the skill habits, and then the mental game is also a habit and, and Correct. yeah, whether or not you're tracking both, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the process is. Let me, let me jump forward. So you have begun. Well, you have for some time now. You've, you've done work with various companies. Um, right. Is it, I know you go in, you do keynotes and stuff, but you do workshops too, or like. You know seminars do you get people out on the golf course how, how does that go or is it, or is it is well
0: it... I, I do I do three different so I do keynotes but uh-huh. what I feel um, the most I can bring to a company is more of the workshop based trainings where um, as I mentioned doing some work lately has been with a team of 15 20 25 people and And it could be on a specific subject matter. So I have have one group that I'm doing more of a wellness program with, how to deal with stress better, how to perform better. Uh, how to focus, how, those type of things. And then we have other ones that are more leadership-based. Of, And I'm a big believer that leadership starts with the individual, does not start with the team. You have to be able to lead yourself first before you can lead anybody else. Excellent, so that's excellent. where I work with on that end. But you brought up the golf. I do something called Find Your Business Zone Golf Workshop where <laughs> I'll take out a team of usually about 12 or 16 people. Uh-huh. Um, it's been popular with sales teams on the golf course we put them in uh, teams of four so oh. foursomes and each uh rotate who's the leader for each hole and each hole has a different learning maybe one's on focus one's on decision making one's on communication ah. and so there's an exercise throughout the hole that they're all working together as a team uh, and golf and golf you know you have a goal get the ball in the hole okay the best way as a team to do that and everybody does have different skill sets not only golf wise but but also in their mental and and even their business environment which comes into play for these exercises. Are, are they playing best ball? <laughs> yeah, they're playing a scramble format, okay, so okay. they all hit a shot. They take the best shot from there, and then they uh, decide, okay, which ball are we going to take based on, okay, the angles and based on that stuff, and then they keep doing that throughout, and score is is – I know it is for a lot of these type A personalities very important what they shoot, but of course it's the exercise and the process behind it of how did they come to those decisions as a team and what happens when somebody played poorly, did you react and judge them or when somebody played well, how did you react to that? And you know a lot about this performance and some of its communication-based stuff of, uh, as I just mentioned, is how did we react to a poor result? And sometimes you could tell a lot about somebody on a golf course after a, a poor golf shot. Isn't that the truth? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I knew a a guy who said he would never hire, you know, an employee until he played golf with him. So yeah, at least at least a a a higher, higher level uh, capacity within his company. All right, Rick, like I said, I, I mean, we've done your show, you're doing my show. And I, I feel like I want you to be on as a regular here. We could we could go through so many great things. Um. I'm curious, how do you define
0: success? Well, success to me encompasses many things because I think it's definitely an individual's uh, definition, right? Success when I was younger had to do with achievement and had to do, did I achieve achieve a certain goal that I put out there? As I've gotten a little bit older, I'm in my mid-40s, success also has a fulfillment part of it too, is that an outcome can feel hollow and shallow sometimes and when there's a fulfillment behind it of, uh, of enjoying that process and um, and, and, pushing myself to me, success is about, you know, embracing those challenges and seeing that I'm a little bit better today than I was yesterday in, in whatever role you're in. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of roles in our life is certainly as a business uh, owner, but as a parent and as a spouse and as a, in the community and friends, I want to be in that role a hundred percent when I'm, when i'm there and that to me is being successful i've had problems uh, for my own issues of being overwhelmed and muddling roles together you know coming home uh, from work and then trying to be a parent but i'm still on my my phone and i'm still trying to get emails but i'm trying to still talk to my kids i was failing at both of those at the same time so it's being fully engaged in the role i'm at at the moment to me is success that's a great
1: great way to look at success and and I also love the comment that it changes over time. Um, uh, I think it's Ali's quote was, if, if, if the man at 50 views the world the same way as he did at 20, then he's wasted 30 years <laughs> of his life. And I like that. Yeah. I mean, I really like that. You involve this idea of roles and getting a little bit better every day and, and how it, it's, you're accepting that it's free to evolve over time. So I love that. Um, I'm adding a few, not yet, but, but we're going to go through our kind of standard questions and then I'm going to throw in a few curveballs, uh, just because, you're a golf expert (laughs) favorite books. When you think of a transformative book, something that's really been impactful, uh, to yourself personally or professionally, uh, one or two books maybe that come to mind.
0: Sure. I would say that there's been three. The first one that had the most impact on me was unlimited power by Tony Robbins. Okay. And, uh, that to me was kind of these, uh, this kind of this manual for, uh, belief system change, and, and so on and so forth. Um, more recently, um, of course, I can say, you know, the habit factor. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so we know that was a given. Right. Uh, because right, it was, sure. it, that did have a lot of impact on me. Obviously, I, I contacted you after I read that and and wanted to know more information. And that's where the certification program was in. And I wanted more because you had put it in such a way to measure things now that it made so much sense to me. Um, that uh, that was very impactful. That's cool. uh, an, another another book that had habit in the in the title was uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself wow. by uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and that one had a little bit of the neuroscience behind how you make change and sometimes what we're up against with our brain, and sometimes it's a little more challenging to make changes. And then uh, most recently uh, is a book called Coherence by Dr. Alan Watkins, which brings together a lot of we started this conversation talking about kind of the physiological changes that happen, and that is as a result of the mental and emotional. And I loved how he kind of put all these things in talking about coherence is that we're putting everything in sync. My mental, my emotional, my physical are now in coherence, and I can perform at a high level. And he works with a lot of executives. So I loved that book to put science, put psychology, put yeah, self-help kind of all in a great package.
1: I love it. Yeah, the the idea of coherence and pattern and having everything in alignment is uh, absolutely powerful. Because if you have three things going for you, like you work out really hard and um, you have all the desire in the world, but your diet is crap, then you're not in coherence.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um. All right, a tech tool, a gadget, a website, app, something uh, that's really serving you or pretty cool that you've recently come upon.
0: Yeah, I would say about it happened about a year ago. Um, I did some certification through a company called HeartMath, and they have oh. something called inner, inner Balance. So, talking about coherence is uh, you know a simple earlobe. Uh, monitor that would connect to my iphone and i would do certain breathing exercises um and talking about stress levels is in a way measuring your stress level but also you could see that you're doing something about it so i I could go out of a a non-coherent state into coherence through certain exercises with breathing and breathing through the heart and thinking about the emotion that i want and taught a lot about gratitude and appreciation and stuff to where it could shift your emotional uh state at the moment. So if I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I need to shift that. And you do it through breathing, through your heart, and it's monitoring. So you have that feedback, uh, that feedback loop. So that's you know, that's a hundred bucks, and that was really, really important uh for me.
1: You know, we and you may have missed missed the episode. We had Heidi Hanna on. I don't know if you're familiar with her, she mentioned heart math as well. And something about heart rate variability and correct coherence and all this. So, so you guys are really on the, on the same page. Like I said, I'm not going to let you get out of here. I I could already see (laughs) the emails. Um, Somebody saying something along the lines of you have a golf expert on and you don't ask even one golf question. So that's not going to happen. I'm going to ask a golf question. I want one, two or three tips when you're about, i mean it doesn't mean just your general tee. like you're about to tee off it could be about physiology where to look how to hold the grip just just wing it whatever you, whatever you got <laughs> whatever you okay. got i'm sure you got and i don't mean so, wing it like because i know no, no, you no, have no, a methodology and there's so many things <laughs> to go
0: through i just mean hit right. me with two or three You got it. So with the mental game, when I talk about what the mental game is to people, they give me different answers. I then at the end of a coaching session or at the start of one, I say, you know, to me, the mental game is to be mentally focused, emotionally confident, and physically relaxed to execute a golf shot. So if we're focused, confident, relaxed, we have a much better opportunity to execute what we want. So my pre-shot routine has to have those elements. So physically to be relaxed, of course, breathing, and you want to be rhythmic and deep, helps me be relaxed emotion of confidence. Well, how where do I get confidence? It could be through self-talk. It could be through picturing a great shot. It could be recalling a great shot, which now would change my emotional state to confidence. And then from a, fo- a focus standpoint, because we're distracted so often, is asking good questions. So the the question I ask all the time is, what would a good shot look like here? And mm. that puts mm. somebody in that in that frame of what does a good shot look like here is the look is the visualization. And by framing it in that such a way, all you're focusing on is a good shot, not where could this ball go? Well, it could go a lot of places, probably not where you want it to go. So we reframe the question to help focus somebody on what they want. What does a good shot look like here? Confidence could be recall a past shot that was similar to this, put me in that state. And then physically, I start with breathing. It could be with a practice swing. Also, I'm in tune with my body and how it feels. That's what a proper pre-shot routine is supposed to do for those thirty seconds before I execute. And now I'm ready to rock and roll.
1: I feel like <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't let you. I love that, and and you know, in the pressure paradox, um, those are the three traits that I I uh, you know submit largely based on on your writings and thoughts uh, are what equate to a zone experience. If you take any right. one of those out, I don't believe you can have a zone experience. That's for another day. The reason I'm exactly. so <laughs> pumped is because <laughs> that tip right there was fantastic. And I feel like, Thank you. I feel like if you listen to 40 minutes and didn't necessarily like it, which I could not understand, there's your <laughs> bonus. Boom. There you go. Um, I, what And that was all about the physiology and the mental game. I'm still looking for a technique. So you're on the putting green. Forget about the specifics of the putt, uphill, downhill, round, left, you know, right, whatever. What tip is there from a technique standpoint? Sure. If, if any, sure. maybe it's stance, maybe it's grip. What yeah. do you got? This is an easy one. This Good. is an easy one. Good. Okay.
0: Good. So I think currently as we're recording this, he just moved to number two in the world, Jordan Spieth. Okay. Uh, So Jordan Spieth, long story short, on his short putts, he looks at the hole while he putts. So it's a great drill to do on the practice putting green because when you look at the – Look at the hole while you putt. You're not looking at the ground. You're not looking at your your putter or your ball. You're now just focused on the hole. He used this years ago to help minimize some anxiety he had over short putts. Now we start with it as a drill. He uses it in winning the Masters and winning the U.S. Open. I mean, that's the level Wait a he second. uses. That. I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that really so? When I because I haven't, I'm embarrassed to
1: say this. I know I've seen him play, but I, I don't think I've paid that much attention. For shorter
0: putts, let's say 4 to 12 feet, he may look at the hole while he putts. Wow. And think about basketball. You would look at the hoop. You wouldn't look at your hand or the ball sure, while sure. you shoot. Right. And so it's way to stay connected to your target is just by looking at it. Well, Interesting. you couldn't do that really with full swing, but with putting, you certainly can. It's a pretty simple motion and he just reacts to the target. He looks at it, reacts, looks at it, reacts. So that's something you could start on the putting green that's to become great. more target aware and minimize anxiety of what's my putter doing and don't miss it there and, and those type of things. That's so funny. And
1: you know <laughs> I'm just going to share a piece of my pain. So I, I let's say it's a 5 foot putt. If I see any break I I find that the ball goes almost and this is, should be a good thing. The ball goes where you are focusing. And the problem is I'm not focusing on the hole. I'm focus I'm saying it's, you know, it's left edge or it's right edge. Sure. Or it's, and then the ball <laughs> it's, it's there. And then I, I think, damn, I need to be focusing on the cup.
0: So Well, yeah, I mean there's different ways to do this, but but uh, you're right. You could certainly look at an intermediate target of where you want the ball to run past, or you can change the image of where the hole is, but your attention is now on something that is external and it's target oriented instead of being coming back to the analytical side and saying, Oh, I don't want to miss this and don't want to do those type of things.
1: Right. Well, look, this has been super fun and all these, you know, your personal story is fantastic. All the golf lessons transcend perfectly to life lessons and, and you know how we attack the next shot, which reminds me of another quote, What's the most important shot in golf? (laughs) The next shot. (laughs) The next shot. Exactly. Um, I don't know who said that. Was that Arnold Palmer or somebody? Um, All right. Here we go. So before I let you go, is there anything, you know, from a website, an app, a book, anything you want to promote, a tool, a technique, somewhere we can point your fans? Because I know you have... Thousands more now.
0: Thank you. Uh, well, first off, thank you for the opportunity to, to speak to your audience. Uh, again, I, you've been influential in my career with the, the knowledge that with the books and just uh, help mentoring me on, on some other things, also. So I appreciate that. And uh, as I'm moving forward with my career and going from golf, which has been fantastic, now more into the business and corporate world, uh, I do have a website called performforsuccess.com. Uh, so that has a little bit more of my coaching philosophy and speaking topics and such. And then I have. Have a a podcast that is the same name, uh, Perform for Success, and that uh, on iTunes. So uh, those would be the two things that I would want to promote. And uh, again, love to hear hear from people, um, questions, golf related, performance related. And you can always reach me, Rick at performforsuccess.com. Rick, it's been amazing. And I'll make sure I link to uh, the podcast
1: and your website. And uh, we will direct. Any and all new fans your way. So thank you so much. <laughs> I look forward thank to you, uh chatting again soon. And in the meantime, take care, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Martin. All right, that's gonna wrap it up. Just a quick reminder before we blow out of here. If you have not yet received your free habit tracking slash building template and you want to get it really quick like instantaneously you can go ahead and text me at 33444 and just simply text the word habits that's right habits to 33444 so until next time to your continued success make it a habit